Welcome to the Cutting Onions Podcast with Bobby Shaw, where we celebrate culture that develops leaders. This is episode 26. In this conversation, I sit down with Chris Cargill. Chris is a longtime HR professional with a passion for creating strong people cultures and connecting with people in a genuine way to help them accomplish their hopes and dreams. The work Chris has done in human resources has covered retail, restaurants, and professional services, and he's made a huge impact everywhere he's been. He has razor-sharp instincts and intuitively understands people, which has helped him build strong relationships within the organizations he's been a part of that transcend what people normally think of when they think about HR. Chris is one of the most authentic people I know and sees the work he does as a calling and not just a role in an organization, and I think that's where the magic happens. He didn't start out to be an HR professional, and his journey to where he is today is an incredible inspiration. And a fun fact, Chris has a passion for music and also produced the amazing track titled Walking Strong that I use for the intro and outro of my podcast. I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Chris Cargill, and we'll see you on the other side. My name is Chris Cargill, a.k.a. Chris Zoomer, for my SoundCloud fans. That's right. Um, well, how I got here? Well, uh, before I jump all the way back, I, Bobby and I, you and I worked together. We did. In, uh, in a company. Yep. And um, what year was that? It was 20... We, we started working together in 2013 uh, at Freebirds. Yeah, Freebirds. World Burrito. And then I came to Texas That's right. in 2014. That's right. And... Uh, I started in November 2013, and I think I asked you in December 2013 to move. Yes. To Austin. And so. be, because I have parents just here right. outside of Dallas, I was happy to do so. That was a great, wonderful opportunity. And but when did you actually move, though? I can't remember when you actually... To... Like, to Texas, to Austin. When did you actually uh, it move? It was uh, end of March, beginning of April Okay, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, how I got started, I'm, you know, I'm a human resources professional. I have been since 1997. I got my start uh, in Silicon Valley, in the Bay Area. Right. I worked at uh, actually two different startup companies. Uh, it was myself and uh, the director of HR, same person at both. We both started um, HR literally from the ground up at the first startup, and then uh, I followed her to the second startup and worked uh, there, and it was a wonderful experience because, again, it was brand new for me, right. human resources, and we were able to build um, policies and processes and handbooks and great learning experience for me. So for you, how hard was that, like creating something out of nothing? Like you literally had to, because if I understand correctly, you had to create everything. Like there was yes. really nothing there. It was wonderful because I had a partner who I'm still very good friends with to this day some 20 years later. That's awesome. So, um, you know, it was it was a lot of work. Right. But... Um, which is why I actually stay in human resources. Here we are, you know, 20, actually 22 years later. Um, I like challenge. I like change. And HR provides me with that on a daily, weekly basis. And so um, it wasn't easy, but it was a wonderful experience. And the startup, you know, Silicon Valley in the late 90s was... Unlike anything at the time that anyone had seen, right? And I was fortunate to work for two fantastic startups, one of which went on to be purchased by Microsoft. Um, the other one is still in existence, 
as well. But um, so it was a great opportunity to really, you know, see what working with engineers and software developers, right. you know, very unique, right? Uh, very unique uh, part of the employee population. It prepared me for the rest of my HR career. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you about because HR, you started in 97 is when yes. you started? So was HR, I guess it's like a three-part question, but... I should tell you how I got that job. Yeah, yes, because, well, and my question is kind of a precursor to that was, was HR something you always wanted to do? No. Okay. I fell into this job. I was at, it was December... Of, See, this is important. I love this part of the story. It so. was December of 1996. Okay. I was at a, a party with a radio station team. Of course you were. Uh, team. Very good friends of mine um, used to work in radio in the Bay Area. And um, I attended a Christmas party with them. And across the room um, at the house that we were at, uh, I was told that this gentleman was going to be starting, um, hiring rather, customer service people for a new startup, which actually was the very first online auction house oh, on wow. the internet. Wow. Um, yeah, that makes sense, because that would have been right before the internet really yeah. exploded. Yeah, and so I, before then, I had worked at Macy's, I had done other customer service-based jobs. Everything I do to this day is customer service Of course based, it is, right. That's what interested me in getting a chance to talk with him. So because I was at this random holiday party, I was able to meet him. That's incredible. I got the interview, I got hired. Literally, besides the two founders and their team of six engineers or software developers, the rest of us, there were 15, I think 12 or 15 of us, started in one room in, one room in customer service. And then the day came, we did that for about three weeks. And then the day came and, and he said, okay, we're going to branch off. We're going to start a sales team. We're going to start HR. We're going to do marketing. So myself and my very good friend, as I mentioned, uh, she was selected to lead HR. I was the HR generalist working for her, and that's how I got my start in HR. Wow. And like I said, we built everything from the ground up. Now, obviously building a handbook it, back then, and I still work with outside legal um, representation sure. to make sure we have a proper handbook, but that's how I got my start. You know what's really interesting about that is that's about the time that and I was just actually a few weeks ago giving a talk on this uh, in Southwest Missouri, but HR used to be called personnel, personnel mm -hmm. which is about the most impersonal name that you could possibly have yeah. for a department that sole responsibility is to support the organization. Right. HR department. Yes. At every level. Yes. Right. Yes. So you were kind of at that really that transition because it was. For sure, the early 90s, it was called personnel. I don't know when it really changed. You might know that. I don't know the answer to that. But Well, 1997. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. We know that, right? Yeah. Right. So, which I think is fascinating because uh, it's such a better way to describe the function of, of, of what an HR department does. Yeah. Well, we are hum we're literally human resources. Absolutely. And I say to this day, and I've said it to you when we worked together yep. at Freebirds, but Without the employees, there is no reason to have me there. Right. So no matter what company I work for, whether, as I'll tell you, where else I've worked in a moment here, but no matter where I've been in my HR travels, it's because of the employees that I'm there, and I never forget that. That's right. That's right. So kind of walk us through your journey. Kind of, You started there, 
and then kind of what was the evolution for you like? Uh, well, after the startup world, I uh, well actually a second startup. Uh, we had a reduction in force. We had two reduction in forces. I had to lay off 12 people, and then the second round, knowing I was going to be let go. Of course. And so that was August of 2001. Okay. And then September 11th happened. So I took the rest of that year off. Yep. I didn't need to go back to work at the time. Um, and then from there, I, I went, my next HR job was with a very large, in fact, the largest um, amusement park in Northern California. May Yes. Uh, well, no, I think we're still working on that. Yeah. So, thank you, though. No worries. You're good. You're good. Yeah, it was for the largest uh, amusement park, theme park in Northern California. I was one of five HR team members and uh, when I was hired in 2003. We also were owned by Paramount. Then we were owned by CBS. And then we were owned by Viacom. I'm sorry, by Viacom, CBS. And then we were owned by Cedar Park. Or Cedar Fair. Can't remember. It's been a long right. ago. But anyway, what I do remember about being at that theme park in Northern California, I started as a team of five. Two managers, two uh, directors, and one VP in 2003 with 24 seasonal HR associates. Mm -hmm. I left there in 2011 after leading that team as HR director for three seasons with me, a full-time HR manager, and 12 seasonal HR reps. Wow. And we still staffed that park, dressed that park in their uniforms, paychecks were given out, interviews were done, processing was done. Me and my team, we did all of that for three seasons with a lot less than I started with right, in 2003. Right. So honestly, I'm the most proud of the work I did there. Eight years I spent there, um, and it was a wonderful experience. That's awesome. So from there, I took some time off for personal reasons. Family uh, had a death, and so I took time off and um, just kind of worked uh, some jobs here and there until 2013. I had a wonderful HR opportunity presented to me by a company you might be familiar with called Freebirds. Yes. Actually, Tavistock Restaurant right, Group. Right, right. Tavistock Restaurant Group. And uh, they, had a, they had a VP of HR at the time who um, gave me an opportunity because I did not have multi-unit experience before joining Tavistock Freebirds. And so I certainly got that experience firsthand. I, I started, I was responsible for 105 restaurants in six states, yep. giving daily HR support right. to them. So that was... That was and, a lot. And a lot of the restaurants weren't where you were located geographically either. No. You were providing I was in that Northern support California. in a totally different time yeah, zone. Yeah, in, in exactly. Six different states. So, right. Um, but wonderful opportunity, wonderful experience. I spent four years there, got to work with you once I came to Austin. Uh, we had wonderful experience. You know, it was nice to travel out to the restaurants, yeah. meet with the employees. Yep. Because I'm, you know, again, I'm all about, I'm, I'm here because of them. Right. And so having that personal touch in person rather than just on the phone. Absolutely. Um, of course, my idea of broadcasting HR updates through the electronic menu boards never came to fruition, but I thought that was a great idea to, you know, 
show up in the restaurant and have a little HR meeting with everybody all at once, pre-shift or whatever. Right. But anyway. Um, Which that idea is going to happen. It is going to yeah. happen. It is yeah. going to come to fruition. Yeah, because it makes the most sense, especially if you're dealing with multi-unit. Right. You can't be everywhere at once. No. But you certainly can get on Google Hangout Meets, which Definitely. over the last two and a half years, where I've been currently that I'll get to, we're all about right. Google Hangout Meets, even for doing some interviews. Sure. But So I, I left uh, Freebirds, which took me to Texas, which took me to Austin, right. which is where I met you yep. and the great team that was in Texas. Um, still very much in touch and close contact with the majority of those folks. But I had an opportunity to go back to California, where I was born and raised, and got my start. So at the time, I thought it was the best thing to do to go back to California. So June of 2017, I went back and I um, had accepted, prior to leaving, I had accepted a job in, a, in the cannabis industry at an analytical testing facility in Central California. And I've been there now for two and a half years as a sole HR practitioner. I'm also the director of HR, but honestly, as you also know, I'm not really a title person. Right. I can care less right. what you call me. I mean, sure, I like a, a good amount of pay and sure. salary, but I don't care. I'm not title driven. I just, I'm in it for the work, for the experience and, you know, helping companies move forward yeah. and I, I liken the cannabis industry very much to my beginning in 97 because we are literally and that's one of the things I feel that attract they were attracted to me by building things again from the yeah. ground up this time though doing it myself right so thank goodness I had the multi-unit experience I had the theme park in industry experience I had all the other previous experience of building things by you know myself or with one other person because it made me much stronger as an HR leader in my current role. I think I that's a great picture though of leadership development because that's what we want, right? We want someone to, you know, if you think about the model we use at Freebirds, right? Tell, show, do, review, and do again, right? That's the model that we wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So when you first started back in way back in '97, you had someone else that you were working with, right? Who was kind of that director of HR? You were the generalist. You learned a lot of these things mm -hmm. early on, right? You learned what what it took yeah. to make all that happen, to put all that together. And you knew how hard that was mm -hmm. to be able a to really do that, good, right? I had a really good leader, though. She was yeah. she's phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. But you were able to take that, and then over the years of your own experience, as you began to get into more leadership roles, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but, but, but you began to figure, okay, well, look, I can do this. I know I can do it because I've done it, right? Right. I just wasn't the person. Now I'm the person that, like, there is nobody else, right? right. Like, I'm the one making I the have to do it. I'm the one trying to convince the executive team that we need right. X, Y, Z. Right. And why it's so important to have a 90-day and annual review process. Absolutely. Which is something that I in, uh, introduced in my current role. And I would also say you're absolutely right that when you went to work two and a half years ago, right, for your uh -huh. current organization, right? Yeah. I, I am 100% confident when they looked at that experience, they were like, Okay, this is what we need. Yeah. There is nobody else, right? right? And he's done it. He's been through that. He's lived that. Yeah. He knows what he knows where the pain points are in that process and what needs to happen in order to make it a reality. Yeah, they made it very clear to me I was brought on to help boost morale and help develop HR processes and policies because um, the cannabis industry is unlike any industry that I've ever been a part of. Yeah. It was I'll just say it, it was lacking 
professionalism right. when I started. Um, and I'd like to take credit, at least some of it, for some of the way that the upper management and sure. managers act now because of conversations and team right. meetings that we've had and um, just development. You know, we've had some, I've been able to provide them with some management development courses online and just things like that to help develop the team to make everyone a stronger leader has also helped me too. Right. Um, I'm continuing to learn. I do not know everything. I never protest to know everything. Sure. But I'll certainly know how to get you an answer and what resources we need to, right. to do so. That's kind of how I am. But um, yeah, so it's it's come a long way in two and a half years. It's uh, it's kept me very busy. Well, and you've come a long way in 22 years. So when when you think about the evolution of that journey from where you started in 97 to where you are now, what were some of the hurdles? What were some of the obstacles that you faced that you had to overcome in order for you to get to where you are today? Developing patience, probably the biggest thing because when you have a software engineer standing in your office screaming at you because he failed to enroll in, in benefits during the open enrollment period and it's your fault. Right. Even though I knew it wasn't, but right. that wasn't the point. You know, right. communications had been sent, open enrollment meetings sure. had been held. Sure. Unfortunately, you know, and literally these men were and women, more so men back then though, were working twenty four hours a day. Right. Some of these guys had cots and and slept in bunk beds, both startups, above their desks. I mean, these right. people were hard working. So but Chris of twenty two years ago reacted very differently. I've had to become very patient and, and realize, and this was one experience, a real experience. I was able to calmly ask him to come in the office, sit down. I walked him through the open enrollment process, what his part was to be. I was able to work with our broker, you know, because I'm always working with an insurance broker. Right, of course. And we were able to get his enrollment done. So, but that was a challenge. Yeah. You know, and that was one. I'm actually glad I had that experience because, um, yeah, I you know I probably had a bit of a tone in my voice. I'll be honest, um, I still do, but hopefully only in private with my friends. But um, yeah, that's one learning experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I mean, so I guess what was your very first step once you realized that you're like, okay, look, I've got to take a different approach here because you could have responded a different way. Mm-hmm. And maybe did from time to time. You know, we've all done no, that in our careers, right, early on. Not in person, not in public. Got it. I mean, I've said something behind someone's back <laughs> or in my manager's office or right, my CEO's right, office. Right. But. So when you realized, okay, look, I've got to do, like, I have to do something different to connect with this engineer, with the software engineer, right? He's got a problem yeah. that he created for himself because mm-hmm. he didn't do open enrollment when he should have. Mm-hmm. But now he has no benefits. So you got to fix that. So in that moment, it's kind of an unfair question, but because you're in the moment, but like when you realize, look, I've got to develop a different style in order to address this issue. Mm-hmm. Like what was that first thing that you did to get there? Uh, because you're very good at this. You're very uh, good at walking nice. into a situation where there's a high level of conflict. I'm battle worn. I've seen a lot <laughs> with you personally, one-on-one in some of these conversations that you've had to have. Yeah. And so I think that it's a really important question um, for everyone listening to understand like, okay, like you have this highly charged emotional moment where someone, they don't have benefits. 
So you're in the middle of that trying to figure that. So kind of walk us through like, what's that for person him or his family? That's right. Well, to be honest with you, Bobby, and of course I would be, um, of I used my theater skills. I've been involved in theater on and off in That's my right. free time since 1992. And so I still, to this day, wear a mask. I put on my mask, I put on my professionalism. But back then, I didn't have, like today, I would go online, like right now, uh, my current company, I have online training resources that I offer sure. to all of our managers and executives, as well as myself. If I, have, if I have a need like that now, I'll go to that training resource portal and go through something. That, that's wonderful. To right. have. Back then, I didn't have, no. barely had computers right. back then. So, you know, I think it, it was more of me talking with my HR leader. Got it. Um, after the initial, you know, after I was able to calm him down, he actually ended up coming back and apologizing once we got it all taken care of. But talking, having that person, the other person on the team to talk to right. was really beneficial. Absolutely. And because, you know, she hadn't had a lot of experience either in HR. But yeah. Um, she had, she was calmer, I guess you could say, than I might have been back then. And so having that as my resource to talk sure. to, um, as well as the founders, we were all very close at the time. You know, we could talk to them about anything yeah. when they were around. So um, does that answer your question? No, it does. Okay. Because, because I think it's important to realize that even in small organizations, you need that type of support. You yes. need that type of camaraderie. You yes. need that type of connectivity. And that is something I struggle with. For the last two and a half years. I think it's... Not having that. Yeah, and not having that, I mean, you start to create this narrative that might not be 100% accurate, and so you start responding differently than you might otherwise when you have someone to bounce those ideas off of. Right. Or even just be able to vent. And honestly, I still have my network of HR colleagues um, that I'll text or call, and when things come up now before I respond right? in some situations. Sure. Just to, one, to just kind of step back and have, you know, I have those resources available to me. Let's let's use them. That's right. These are senior HR people that I'm talking to. Sure. Much more experienced than I am. A whole generation above me. Right. Um, you know, some of them. So that's that's been very valuable for me in my in my current role. Again, because I had never done this alone. Right. And for anyone that's listening that might be familiar with human resources, you know, depending on the size of the company, obviously, you know, you, you might have a team of two. Yep. And prior to this company, I had, that's where I've been in. Yep. You know, although I've, I've been hiring a lot of people, as I was mentioning. Yes, off podcast. Earlier. 148. people since July of 2017. It's amazing. Uh, I did, like I said, I had help for six months. Sure. Part time. Sure. But, um, yeah, so... I forget what you asked me, but yeah, no, 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 no. no. I mean, it's good. It's good. So, so I'm I guess visual, I'm visualizing I guess. my past. And so, so I guess my follow-up question to you, Chris, and this is, I think, a really good question because, and it's not one I was planning on asking, but like we were talking about, yep. You said something that made me think about something else. Yep. So you've seen from '97 through 2019, you've seen a lot of a lot of evolution in HR. Mm-hmm. In yes. Processes. Some systems have changed. A lot of systems have Some changed. Some companies had right? HRIS. That's right. And some like right. where I am now don't. So how have you been able, because I know how, because I know how much you pride yourself on staying current, mm-hmm. staying on trend, mm-hmm. knowing what's happening in the industry. So how have you taken your own development? How have you 
how have you been able to take charge of your own development from that very first start as an HRG in 97 through today, where you're really the sole level of HR support for the organization that you work in now, how have you stayed current? Well, fortunately, um, one way that I, I was able to develop further as an HR leader was when I was at Freebirds, mm. and y'all paid for myself and our generalist to go through a SHRM, Sherm. Yeah. testing. That's right. I passed the testing. So the class was three and a half months, or four months, I think, at, at, at University of Austin, which I passed. You have to pass with like 80% or higher. So I did great in the classroom setting. The three and a half hour test, however, where you're in a room with headphones on answering uh, hundreds of questions, right. I didn't do so well on that. But I still got my certificate because I passed the classroom. So I still find, I still feel that that was successful. Right. Right. Um, regardless of what right. others might think. So having that ability to develop myself has been valuable. Um, ha you know, like I said, there's online resources now. Um, I also I have my senior HR support team that I reach out to. I've attended, uh, when I was at the theme park in Northern California, I attended some leadership seminars, um, which I, you know, honestly, there was one that was done by a very large um, amusement company and it's a huge conglomerate I won't mention this but I wasn't impressed with their leadership training that everyone this was 2003 or 2004 and it's like oh it's XYZ right. company they're right. going to be first class right. their parks always clean their people are always friendly yeah I wasn't impressed with their training that I went to in San Francisco I really wasn't it was a full day uh, but it was a resource, and so I, right. I look for things like that. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to attend any seminars or anything in my current position, primarily because I've been so darn busy. Sure. Um, in fact, this is the only time of year that I actually am able to take time off, and then I'll take a few days off again at Christmas. But other than that, I'm working right. every day of the year. The cannabis industry where I work, we're open every day except Christmas Day and Thanksgiving Day. So we've got personnel working 24 hours a day now on three different shifts. Right. Um, so, you know, where I can find the time for some online courses, I, I'll do that. Um, That's great. A lot of reading. Yeah. You know, I I, um, I was I belong to Cal Chamber because I work in California, and so I have that resource. I have a lot of updates that I get from Cal Chamber. Plus, they do online webinars. Um, well, a webinar is online, right? Right. Anyway, they do webinars, and so that's been that's been another resource. Um, yeah. So you know, I try to. I think the again, like I said, I don't know everything. Yeah, no. I never will, and I like to keep learning, especially right. in California. You know, they've got right. so many new bills that have been passed effective January 2020. Well, it's, it's good to to stay, try to stay uh, on top of all. Of and that. you're such a self self-starter like and i think the important thing for everyone to be listening on this podcast is this is that you've not waited for someone to develop you mm -hmm. like you're looking for ways that you can develop yourself right you certainly welcome the opportunity to take part in other resources that might be out there right, right? but you're not waiting around for that like no. you're constantly learning i i, I make the effort Absolutely. i don't wait for because <laughs> Well, right now where I'm at, I, I need to create those opportunities right. for myself. And I think that's what a top performer does is they figure out, okay, look, I know that from where 
I want to be and where I am, there's a gap there. Yeah. I need to close that gap. Yeah. I need to I need to address that. So you're going to immediately start what a top performer does is figure out, okay, well, what can I do? What can I what can I go out there and learn? What resources might be available? What can I find mm-hmm. that might help me address that delta between where I want to be and where I am? And that's what a top performer does versus just waiting. Well, I hope someone comes along and provides something to me. Yeah, I'm real lucky that where I am now, we do have a, an excellent uh, online learning resource through our current insurance broker. The other reason, too, the last two years, I really have been focusing on trying to help develop our managers. Right. You know, our CEO and I and our controller talked about that when they first hired me. We had less managers then. Sure. But, you know, giving them resources. A lot of them are young, never yeah. managed people before. Right. We have a very young demographic of employees yep. where I'm currently working. I'm one of the oldest uh, people at that company. Um, and so giving these folks an opportunity to, to develop as managers yep. is really important. And so, you know, I, I have been spending a lot of time focusing on that. Right. When I'm not hiring, recruiting, uh, creating policies, and writing onboarding, documents, right. onboarding, you know, fighting over why I think it's important to keep an employee assistance program. And I lost that battle, but um, yeah. When you think about... Uh, I'll take one more. Do you want one more? I'll have a regular. So when you think about your 22-year career in HR, can you pinpoint the moment where you realized you wanted to be a leader? Because it's very different from getting into something. A leader of an HR team or a leader in general? Just the moment that you realized, I have more to offer than just helping to create this structure and build these programs and systems and tools. But I think I can actually lead. I learned, well, I, that feeling came over me in 2009 after being at the largest theme park in Northern California right. for six years as part of the bigger team. And then Cedar, well, I already said who owned us. Cedar yeah. Fair coming in. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. And um, taking over and cutting the team. Thank you. You're welcome. And I became director with one HR manager. Right. That's, and I had a fantastic CEO that I worked with there. He and I are actually still very good friends as well. That's when it hit me that Got it. I, I want to do this because I love HR, but I, I want to do this. It's a, it would be a great opportunity. And like right. I said already, I was very successful. Myself and my partner and our, our team of 12 seasonal hourly associates, we were awesome. You know, one weekend alone, Bobby, in January, our first job fair of the year, we would hire 2,300 people in one weekend. Now, by the time I became director, we had to utilize the all the divisions. Right. You know, they had to help us with the interviewing and things sure. like that because my team of, you know, 10 people that actually were part of the interview process and myself and the manager, we couldn't do it all. Certainly right. not 2,300 people in two days. So I developed a really good, well... Honestly, I've always felt I've, I was strong with communications, um, you know, so I developed a really good rapport with the rest of the division leaders at the park, Right. getting their buy-in. This is why we need you to help sure. the team, you know, with the interviews and, you know, we did all the processing, we did the orientation right. training, we put them in the uniforms, but, you know, we still needed on job fair days, Right. we needed their help. So that's when I first started to lead. I love it. There. But now, I'll tell you, I don't like being a team of one. 
I don't want to be the only HR leader with my air quotes or uh, you know the only HR I want to I like the team I'd rather be on a team that's why I said I'm not title driven I just want the work and the experience um, and just to be on a really solid team including the executives that work above of course me. you know uh, that's important to me too that I that I that I that we all mesh well together right but um, yeah I for my next opportunity, whatever that might be, I'm honestly looking to be go back and to be part of a team again. Yeah, I'm not, you know. Certainly, you know. I guess when the next opportunity comes, I'll, I'll figure out what I want to do. And if it is going to be again a sole practitioner, maybe it's a different type of industry, one that you know perhaps gives me more support that I don't have in my current role, which has also made it more challenging. Maybe that's maybe that's why I'm a little. Um, I don't want to say negative, but sure. maybe that's why I, I feel a certain way about saying when I don't want to be a team of one again. Maybe it just hasn't been the right company right. for me to be that sole practitioner yep. in. Yep. Because I, you know, but again, everything I do is a growth opportunity. Everything I do is a learning opportunity. Um, I will continue to develop. Um, you know, I'll still be a great HR person. Of course. <laughs> Whether I'm by myself. Or, or with a team, I will still strive to do everything I can to, to support the employees and everyone else. So when you think about your journey as a leader, and you think back over your 22-year career in HR, and you, know, you can go back further if you wanted, but who's had the biggest leadership impact on you? Like when you think about your growth as a leader. Well, definitely early on, my first... Uh, her name is Kristen, my first HR leader. I would imagine, right? Yeah. Because you were just so, so yes. brand new. Yes, I learned a great deal from her. We both actually were had theater backgrounds. She actually studied theater in college. Okay. And so, you know, anyway, but definitely her. Um, my CEO I worked for the last three years at the theme park. Uh, wonderful man, wonderful opportunity. He, he presented me. Um, by putting me in that position of leadership uh, with the park. Because there were challenges. Again, we were starting our third ownership, and uh, they cut, cut, cut. Right. You know? In fact, he and I had to, over the course of two days, we had to lay off 20-something people, landscapers, maintenance workers. Some of them had been there for 20-plus years. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, um, wonderful man. Um, um, yeah. Those are the people I worked with directly that have impacted me. You know, I think those moments that you have when you think about that are like what I think about when I think about the three or four really key leaders that I've worked with in the past that created opportunities for me that otherwise wouldn't have existed mm -hmm. and also were patient with me as I was learning a role or learning yeah. a responsibility. Um, but I still think back to those moments, um, and I think that the only value at looking back, the only value in having a historical perspective on where we've been, is if it helps you be better now, right? Right. And we and learn so, from the past. That's right. And try not to repeat whatever. That's right. But like in this case, but like in this case where there's three or four people that I can point back to, that you can point back to, and say, hey, this made an impact on me, and I'm still talking about it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still leveraging that experience. I'm still using that that experience to help me better today. I think that's I think that's really important. Yeah, that's really. I think that's really smart. Well, unfortunately for me, I'm still very good friends with all of you. Of course, so, right. You know, right. I've built some wonderful friendships, which I've also utilized them and yeah. others that right. I haven't necessarily worked with, but they're senior HR, friend, uh, very good friends of mine. Right. I use all of you from time to time as sure. a resource, sure. as a sounding board. Yeah. You know, like I, I said, you know, rather than respond immediately, right. I want to get some feedback from someone that knows what I'm going through. Absolutely. Those networks are incredibly important. And they will, I think, become even more important yes. in the years to come. Yes. So. so when you think about everything you've learned as a leader, if you could just share one thing with everyone listening that's a helpful leadership tip, like what would you share with them? Hmm. Um you know that you've I'm seen help you. Person, yeah, I'm the kind of because I, I, I will say there's a couple HR roles I'm not talking about purposely because horrible leadership there. So I've learned what I don't want to be from them. Right. But every from the very beginning, back to the startup days, um, the second startup I went to, our CEO had worked for a very large organization prior to that. Okay and very well known, and came to myself and Kristen and told us exactly what he didn't want HR to be. He didn't want HR to be sitting in their offices with their sunglasses on. That's always nice. Knocking yeah. them, not, uh, you know, not being accessible, having their doors closed. So from, from you know, 1999, when we had that conversation at the second startup, I have really strived to be accessible, to be a good leader, you know, to, to, to make myself approachable. Right. Um, sorry, I was going in another direction. No, you're your good. Question. Ask your question again, because... So the question was, like, if there's one tip you could share with a leader out there you. that's listening. Yeah. Thank you. One thing, thank you, especially when I was at uh, the large theme park. I think a good leader, speaking from me is a leader who isn't going to expect something from his or her team that he or she hasn't done already. That's right. I lead by example. I will not ask when I have employees working for me, I will not ask them to do something I myself won't do or haven't done. You know, I primarily go back to the eight years I spent at the theme park. I did everything there. Right. You know, all the way up to when I was a director, I was still doing everything I was doing you know, onboarding, and yeah. I wrote the orientation, you know, all the stuff I started doing when I was there, I still did it as a director, because right. I had one hourly HR support person to take over the orientation, so I would still build it, um, and I just, I always make that clear to people I work with, um, that I'm not going to expect you to do anything that I'm not going to do myself, and I think, I think a good leader should have that mindset. One of the advantages I think you have is when you start in an organization and you literally have to create something from nothing. Like you literally have to build the structure, the tools, the infrastructure, create the processes. You have that real world experience, Mm -hmm. that first hand experience of actually doing that. Yeah. That's super helpful later on down the road, right? Much like as you transition into restaurants, one of the things that we always talked about was you should be doing the role before you get to the next role, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to be a GM in a restaurant, yep. you should be performing that at that level 
as an assistant before you get to be a GM, right? Because or in some cases, as a line level. Yeah, absolutely. When you get started, you know, you can show that. Because your success, your, your chance of success is greatly increased mm-hmm. if you've already demonstrated the competencies that you need to have before you get to that role, mm-hmm. right? I think we all learned that the hard way, especially in the restaurant industry, where a great assistant manager doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make a great GM. Right. A great GM doesn't necessarily mean they're going to make a great multi-unit leader. A great multi-unit leader doesn't mean they're going to be a great director. Absolutely. And and so I think that having that kind of built-in runway for people to have an opportunity to show and demonstrate what they can do mm-hmm. is super important. And the word you and I use a lot, passion. That's right. You have to have a passion for have what to. you do. Not like you said, even in my case, I have a passion for HR, but I still miss having a team. My right. passion isn't necessarily that I want to be the end all be all right. HR you know, policy right. maker. Right. It's it is it's great for me right now in, in the position I'm at because that's the position I'm at. But right. you know, um, I, I still you have to have a passion and a drive. Right. And not everyone wants to be a GM. Right. Like you said, and that's totally understandable. And, and it's totally okay. Be an awesome AGM. Yeah, and we need great we need great AGMs. Yeah, you right? do. Every, yeah. yeah. So every organization you know, does. Yeah. And we shouldn't expect no. them to no. either. And that's part of what you did. And you know, at Freebirds, you know, as far as uh, making sure that managers are trained, we had the training in place. We had, um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting my words. Um, the internal uh, promotion process, the career path, uh, and yes, the, the targeted and career path, the development journals. Yes, the, yes. So those things are awesome. Those are fantastic uh, tools that everyone should be using to to develop their yeah in the restaurant industry to develop their managers. Right, right, right. And Absolutely. Those, and those that want to continue to advance yes. further and further. Yes. Yeah, and that's a great segue too, Chris, because you know we talked around it tonight a lot. I think you mentioned it earlier on in the conversation. But this whole concept of, well, and a good example is HR personnel, right? Mm-hmm. We have leadership development now. Before, it was really just training, right? So there's been this evolution in the industry, right? Well, what I want to talk about now is culture. Mm-hmm. And culture is a relatively new term, you know, for sure in the restaurant industry. But, but I would argue throughout all of organizational, um, organizational cultures that, that are there now, people weren't really calling it culture, right? It was, it was not uh, really until maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago where people started talking about culture and why culture mattered. And since then, there's been a ton of books written about it. But so my question for you is, now, we know culture is important. I mean, we know that to be true. So my question for you is, why is it important? heard you ask this in all of your podcasts, yes. so I had given it some thought on my drive over here, but you know, still, it's a, it's a question that makes you think. Right. Why is culture important? Uh, culture is important to different people for different reasons. From an HR perspective, um, culture is important. Well, one, I want to make sure our employees are satisfied in their work, and we're going to keep them. We're going to retain them. Right. We're not going to put all this energy and effort into 
into recruiting and hiring and, and getting them training initially for them to leave a month or two a months later. Absolutely. Which will happen at any company. Sure. Um, but, you know, culture, to me, I also say employee morale, because um, that's, again, I refer to my current role. I was hired on. One of the specifics was to, was to help develop and improve morale. Yes, improve right. morale. And honestly, I'm very proud to say I've had people that are leaving the company under good terms uh, when they resign tell me they had been here, uh, the company, four or five years, right? So and what so have you done over the me, last couple of years? Well, like? I was going to say, they tell me how much the professionalism and the employee environment has changed since I joined, since awesome. they've had HR, I love since it. they've had someone to go to to talk. I make myself available and accessible. I chose when the rest of the founders and all the others support finance, yep. marketing, yep. customer service, they all moved to the downtown office mm. from us, mm. which is about five minute drive. I chose to stay at the lab where the majority of our California employees are. For that reason, I want to be accessible to the employees. Sure. I can get on Google Hangouts with those others that are in Northern and Southern California, or even in Oregon if needed, because we have employees there. Um, I make myself accessible. I've done that from the very beginning. I have conversations with people. I approach them as well as them coming into my office to talk with me. Yeah, it's been kind of rocky to begin with because I'm dealing with a very young demographic of employees. Right. And HR sometimes, I kind of feel like a school principal, you know, or a guidance counselor. I don't know, but um, I, I, giving them an opportunity to have someone other than a manager to talk to is yeah. really important. And talk with honestly, knowing, and I make it very clear to them that I may have to share some of this with the manager, but of course. I'm here to support them. Again, it all goes back to my mindset of without you, I'm there's no reason for me to be here. Yeah. And so I do things, I strive to, you know, whether it's, you know, trying to do uh, our monthly birthday celebrations that we do. I'm working on a huge event in January. Uh, it's actually going to be a 1980s prom. Um, I love it. Things like that. Um, making sure we just launched 100% employer paid benefits. Uh, we just did a pay structure restructuring for some of the employees. Um, things like that to not only make our current employees feel more appreciated right. and better, hopefully boosting their morale, attracting the ones that are still to come. Sure. By having making it known this is what we do as an yep. organization. Um, it's still a very laid-back environment, right? You know, so which sometimes I'm not super comfortable with, just because I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo. I don't know, but I like I, I not I'm not super laid-back. Because um, so you anyway, like structure, you like structure. I, I do at yeah. work, yeah. I, well, in my life, yeah. Right. And so I'm trying to do things that we can to to do what I've been hired to do, and then some. Provide opportunities. We we can even provide you know development. Besides the coaching and counseling that I've trained all of our managers to be doing, creating performance journals, right. making sure you're talking to your employees more than once a year when you do an annual review or a 90-day right. review. Um, you know, they didn't have any of that before I joined. You know, so, um, yeah, I don't know if I answered your question completely. Actually, you did a great job because you answered that question and the next question, which was... How have you taken this idea of creating a strong culture and connected it to your personal vision? And you just told me that yeah. because 
these are the things that because I think it's I think sometimes when people work for an organization and it doesn't matter whether it's the cannabis um, you know industry or if it's the restaurant industry or if it's corporate America everyone has something that's important to them yeah right Right. so being able to connect what's important to them to the larger vision is incredibly important yeah and you're so good at building morale and you're so good at creating culture and you're so good at making people feel welcome and I think that's that's how you that's how you've done it that's how you've been able to connect to that larger vision because when you hear Chris we want you to come in and help you help us improve morale that's a pretty open ended yeah that's a pretty open ended statement Mm -hmm. so you have to figure out okay how do I connect that to what I believe that we need to do so I thought you answered it perfectly great yeah okay that's good so when you think about your wide range of experience what advice would you give your 25-year-old self now as you look back over your career? Well, that's kind of a two-sided question, Bobby, because 25 was the year I became my true self. <laughs> so, um, Got it. Wow. Uh, you know, what would I tell myself at age 25? I would tell myself to, because I was, I was still, I was different uh, back then. Uh, believe it or not, I was much more vain than I than people that know me now. Really? Yeah, oh, because oh. you seem pretty vain now. Oh, shut up! <laughs> I mean, can I say that on this podcast? I think I just did. I so. was really bad. <laughs> I was really bad. What would I tell my twenty-five-year-old self professionally? Just be open to learn. Yeah. Be open to to utilize the resources you have available. Um, you know, you will have more online opportunities, telling my 25-year-old self, <laughs> right. uh, in the future. Right. You know, but just be open and and build, well, not only personal, you know, sure. build strong friendships, but build strong working relationships. Right. Have respect for people that you work for. Like I said, I'm very fortunate to be very close friends with not just you, but a lot of the people that I reported to in my HR career. And that's important to me because... As we were talking previously, networking, you never know what the next year is going to bring nope. and what opportunity might be presented to you because you continue to keep in touch with people and right. network with them and they network with people right. that say, oh, I have this great HR person, maybe I could connect you. You just never know. That's so right. I would just, yeah, like I said, tell myself just to be open to learning and you don't know everything so don't yeah. act like you do right um, I love it so yeah I love it yeah, yeah I, I think that's such a good lesson too because I do think that we all have that whether it's 25 or 23 or 26 right in that range we all have this moment where we think we're bulletproof we think we're invincible we mm-hmm. think we've learned it all we think we know it all and it's only with some scrapes and bruises and bumps and cuts that we realized we didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. But having that perspective now and being able to pour that into to other people, I think is... Well, we have to continue to be adaptable. That's right. Technology continues to change yes. for better or for worse. You know, for example, in the food industry, you know, things are getting better, but I'm going to go up to that counter and order my food. I'm not going to use You're that not menu use a kiosk? No. Because I was just about to ask no. you, how have you used technology to further your leadership impact? And so... Uh, <laughs> I Which, want human contact. That's right. You know, I overheard, I won't mention the name of the restaurant, but you know the name of the restaurant because, anyway. Right. I overheard the manager 
I frequent this restaurant every morning for a number two with a large sweet tea. Um, there are people were using the menu in the lobby, and I'm like, I'm going to wait. There's one person in front of me. And while I was waiting at the register, I heard him say to the employee that you need to refer more people to use the kiosk. He's like, because I'm tired of paying all this. I can't remember his exact words. Right. I wish I could, but he was commenting, and for, for all of us to hear, that he didn't want to pay people his, to yeah, wait on his, guests. He was spending the, yeah. too much on budget to hire people to work the counter. And her job was to refer more people to the kiosk. And I just wanted to say to him, right. wow, you, know <laughs> you, how, you don't know customer service. You know how tech savvy I am. Yeah. I hate kiosks. Yeah. I don't use them. And I laugh when I'm in an airport. The kiosk is right here, right next to the counter. I don't use them. there's no one standing at the counter. It's like, what is... You know why I don't use them? Because you can't modify, you can't modify certain things. I I don't use them because I like human contact. Yeah. I'm a retail person. I spent five years at a very large retailer when I was younger, prior to my HR. I did other customer service things. I'm all about customer service, and I'm all about the human contact. I know you are. And, and, you know, you kind of answered my question about how you use technology to further your leadership impact because you talked about earlier on in the conversation about... Management development. Absolutely, and then your own personal development, right? If you need a a resource or you want to learn something more. If you can't, yeah, or a webinar. Go get it, Because you learn just as much from a webinar as you do sitting in the room for eight hours listening, trying not to... Fall asleep. 100%. Yeah. But uh, webinars. So, you know, the technology advance and technology has been wonderful. Yeah. You know, but we still, we need to continue to adapt. Um, right. Who knows what five years is going to look like Absolutely. from now. You know, hopefully, hopefully, wherever I'm working in five years, I'll be able to have an HRIS system and electronic onboarding. Um, I don't have any of that now. And it presents its own challenges. Yeah, it does. Um you know, so, but I've done a heck of a job organizing those paper files <laughs> and making sure we have I-9s on everybody because that was lacking as well. Well, we're heading to the home stretch. All righty. So we're down uh, to some of my favorite questions, the fast Uh-oh. five. Is this the lightning round? This is the fast five. Oh, this is the lightning round. So uh, now I know <laughs> you you've need lived. a little thing like Ellen uses. That's right. That's right. Do you give answers? Like I know you've lived a lot of different places. So I'm going to ask yes, this question kind I've of open-ended. But what is your what is your favorite go to order at your hometown restaurant? Your favorite hometown restaurant, and you can pick any of your hometowns. Um, so well, what's your go to order? order at a, a restaurant that has them? Yes, is pork chops. Okay, I love. Interesting, I didn't I know that. I love a good pork chop. Okay, uh, like with stuff on it, or just like a just a good straight down the middle of the road pork chop. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, pork chop with like garlic mashed potatoes okay. or green beans. I'm not a Brussels sprouts person that right. everyone eats nowadays. But yeah, I love... You probably saw my post on that a few days ago. <laughs> I love... Yes, yes, I did. I saw you were getting creative with <laughs> Brussels sprouts. I did try them You can thank John Bon Jovi for that recipe. I know, yes. his soul yes, kitchen. That's right. But yeah, pork chops. All right, I like it. With or without applesauce. So where would you get those? Like what, At a like, restaurant? Like... But like <laughs> I don't But give cook, me an example so I'm not of, cooking of, them myself. But, like, what's an example of a restaurant now where you live in California where you would order pork chops? Oh, well, there's a um, city called Livermore, and they have, oh, yeah, uh, sure. they have a downtown area. And they that where a, U.S. Foods was? Yes, exactly. US Foods okay, exactly yes, where U.S. Yes. Foods is. Um, they have a, a really thriving downtown area. So okay. I have several friends that live in that area. All right. There's several restaurants, uh, some farm-to-table. Nice. Uh, but 
I can always get a good pork chop in downtown Livermore. Love it. Yeah, awesome. more than one location. Awesome. With or without a cocktail. <laughs> or applesauce. Right, yeah. What do you know now? What do you know now that you wish you would have known when you first began your career in HR? What do I know now? That you wish you would have known when you first started out? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if, if... I like to learn and I like to grow. And so I know a hell of a lot more now than yeah. I did in 1997. It's but hard, right? Because only because of my life experiences. Right. Because you start out with this very small set of information and limited information about... Yeah this thing called HR. Yeah. Right? So obviously over 22 years. What I'd like years, to know now is I would like to have known that Microsoft was going to buy the second startup and maybe I should have held on to my stock longer and not sold it off so quickly after it went to Microsoft. <laughs> Always a good thing yeah. to think about. I yes. wish. I mean, it was a good year, 2007. Right. Because of it, but it right. could have been a hell of a lot better. Yes. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, that's a good question, but I don't know other than, other than, what I've said, I don't know if I have any more to say about that. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. I, you know, again, it just comes to 22 years of, of life and uh, working in the different industries that I've worked mm. in has been invaluable. I think if I would have stuck, it's very rare for someone to spend more than 10 years, more than five years in, in a job now. Right. You know, like our parents, sure. you know, my Spend dad, their entire 40 careers, years right. in one place. Which is nice, I you know, I, but um, I, I like having that diverse background. Having that diverse background from an HR standpoint, startups, large corporations, multi-unit, cannabis. <laughs> um, right, right. You know, it uh, it's made me the person that I am. But it's also made me know what I want to do moving forward. Absolutely. And what I want to look for in the future. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What are you curious about right now in the world of HR? What are you curious about right now? What am I curious about right now in the world of HR? Uh, well, like I said, I mean, I'd love to have a, a crystal ball to look five years in the future. Not only for my own sake to see where I am and what I'm doing, but mm -hmm. to see how HR, how, how human resources has progressed. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, some of the, the new ways right. that we're adapting to, to work with a very demographic because not only millennials, but, you know, Generation X, you know, my, our, our generation. Um, I don't know. I kind of would like to know how that's all going to go. Um, Hoping it'll be a lot more, um, uh, what's the word, uh, technologically savvy, I guess, like I said already about yeah. the HRS system and electronic onboarding and, um, yeah, I don't you, know. That's you know, a, if I can a, interject, yeah, you know, I mean, if I can interject, um, and, and, and you know, I'm sure you've got a perspective on this, but... About 10 years ago, a company that I worked for that you know, <laughs> that everyone would know if they know me, yep. went through this process of really dismantling what we knew as HR. 
and it was really flawed. Their decision to do so was really flawed. Uh, they really minimized HR. And we all saw it. By doing what? Just by giving them less influence. Putting more on the store? Putting more on operations. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Operations. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was this perception that HR was an obstacle, that HR was getting in the way. And wasn't generating revenue. <laughs> and and so when I think about that, and I think about what you just said, which is, what does it look like in a few years from now? Mm-hmm. You know, five years from now, ten years mm-hmm. from now, what does it look like? I I think there's been a resurgence in HR, which I think is a really good thing, because much like there's been this evolution from personnel to HR it's now about people development it's about it's about leadership development it's about culture building and I think that sometimes people when they hear culture HR and leadership development they kind of roll their eyes like it's a warm fuzzy thing it's a thing that doesn't generate revenue it's a thing that doesn't impact the bottom line except for Except for it really does both those things. Yeah. Right? And so um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm curious about that too. Because I think that we're going to see HR continue to, I mean, it's not going anywhere. And, and I think we're going to continue to see it gain steam and influence in the organizations that really champion it. How did it affect the operations once that company did that? You know, it's interesting because I think of I think I think initially it gave the sense of empowerment to to operations, but it was flawed in that all of a sudden that we had removed our our source of support. We yeah. we'd removed that check and balance, we'd removed that, you know, real sounding board that we had yeah. to balance ideas off. Well, and you lose uh, an opportunity for your managers to develop, possibly, too. Absolutely. As as someone who used to support multi-units from a day-to-day perspective, I certainly know, I felt that that was very important. I'm glad. If you had a, in that that scenario with that company, if you had a, a field leader who wasn't good, who didn't have a good uh you know, a high EQ. They didn't have a high level of emotional intelligence. It was, it was a problem. It was really disastrous. Yeah. That's so. something that we kind of talked about. Yeah. When we were both at yeah, Freebirds, we did. We did. I would. That would be something I would love to have an opportunity to do. Yeah. In the future, being a field HR person. Yeah. Talk about being accessible, Absolutely. being available. I don't see any right. better way of doing that than by sending an right. HR person. To every location, yep. or you know, as many as you can, right. to provide that support in person. Right. I think people learn uh, are more open to having those conversations in person. Yep. Um, hence, again, going back to my menu board idea, having HR pop up. That's doing, right. Doing That's meetings. Right. That's right. You know, just so you have that face and having that, other than just a voice on the phone. Right. You know. So. I agree. Um, I agree with you. I think HR is not going anywhere, and it's just going to get. 
it's going to continue to be, uh, well, hopefully, seen as more of a value. Right. Um, and I intend to be right there in the thick of it, one way or the other. Love it. Um, so, you know, whether that's where I'm at now, right, or not somewhere I, else. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to be accessible and you know make sure that the employees, uh, the company that I work with, know that. Yeah, it's good. So, Chris, what is what is something that you failed at, <laughs> but with perspective, has actually made you a better leader? Oh goodness. Thing I failed at, other than the Sherm three and a half hour test. <laughs> uh, um, when you look back now, <coughs> you know, you know, at the time you may have viewed it as a failure, but when you look at it now with perspective, you actually go, you know what? That actually helped me. Oh, it was a learning and growing experience. Like yeah. I said, I I went to four months of classes. Right. I participated, I answered sure. questions, I did the online testing, I passed it above 80%. That was a very valuable time for right. me. And I never, I even posted on Facebook that day, I found out that I failed, that I don't see it as a failure, yep. you know, because it's, it's about the experience. And with all my HR background already, I, you know, I wasn't going to be, any, I wasn't going to be upset about it. Right. But um, other than... That. I don't know, I'm trying to think of something I failed at at work. Um, no, I mean, I think that's good. I think uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, not that I haven't had failures, again, with the air quotes. Um, I mean, I think it's important, though, because I think that people need to know, I think people listening to this need to know that, it, because I think we live in such a pass and fail society that that they feel like if they if they don't do something to the level that they feel like they should, I think that, I think today failure, because everything is so public. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think that the majority of people in the world are, um, you know, they're oversharers and they, um, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. And I think I that they feel that. like, I think they feel like that, that, you know, I mean, you know, I think we've said this along, I mean, a lot, is that we're our own worst critic. And so oh, I think yeah. that people need to understand that, hey, look, you know what? This didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. And Yeah, I was just thinking, actually, I wish when I was um, at Freebirds yeah. prior to leaving it, right? I wish I would have been more vocal. I wish I would have made more of an effort to make my thoughts and ideas and feelings about what I was doing for the company. Right. I wish I had been, I wish I would have, as as much as I think I'm a good communicator, uh, I think I could have done a better job communicating to those that were in charge at the time. Right. Prior to thinking that, you know, I needed to leave. That the only answer was for you to to leave. To come back to California. Right. I think if I would have done that, um, you know, could have been a different outcome. Yeah. I most likely would still be in Texas. Right. So. Right. Yeah, that's one thing I'll, I'll say. Yeah. No, I think that's good. So when when you think about HR and you think about your experience with multi-unit leadership in the restaurant space, what is, what is one thing from your perspective 
that's not taught as much as it should be. When you think about restaurant leadership development, what's kind of the gaping hole that you see? What's the glaring omission we have in the industry of something that's not being taught that you think should be? Or at least taught more? Taught to the GMs and yes. the GMs? Yes. What are we missing? Um, well, I think not only in the food industry, in any good organization, uh, transparency from ownership, uh, making making your management team, right? especially in this, what you're asking about the restaurant level, sure. uh, giving them knowledge and understanding of where the company is going yes. and how they are going to be a part of it and how this is what we will make available to you. These are resources. These are webinars. Again, I go back to that, right. but in today's right. world, that's how people are learning. Right. Um, but I think having a more of a buy-in, and part of this is partly where I'm at now in my HR life. I wish we had more of, um, because I can say all kinds of things, sure. but I'm not ownership. Right. I think uh, giving them a real understanding. Not only, okay, here's your path as an AGM. You can become a GM, possibly a regional. Right. You know, but I want to tell you, this is how the company's doing. This is the direction we're going in. This is the realistic where we see ourselves a year from now. Because unfortunately, many organizations are having to close mm -hmm. their, their doors, right? And some of these organizations, as I've read about and know about, the employees don't find out until right. the day it closes right? or maybe a day or two before. And so just transparency um, is very important. And honest, honest leadership, honest communication. Because uh, these are, the, uh, going back to AGMs and GMs, these are the people, the men and the women, that are the people that are going to take your company forward. Absolutely. These are the people that are going to be leading, possibly, it's in more ways than one. Yeah. In five years, right? You know, as 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 people move on, absolutely, or whatever. So, uh, it's uh, where yeah. the magic happens. Yeah, I mean, without yeah. them, there is no, there is no corporate infrastructure. No, there is no, no. regional support center. There is no. no. Without them, there's no need for me. That's right. <laughs> as that's I right. will always say, but yeah, absolutely. You're, you're I, I totally agree with you. I think that's really good. I don't think anyone's ever answered it that way, and I think you're right. I think that. That if we want to see transparency from our managers, it has to start with it has to start with leadership. Because I'm telling you right now, every place I've worked, I hear it from the yep. employees. They want to know more about what's going on. Right. And I'm only HR. Right. And there are things I can't say that right. I may have knowledge about. Sure. You know, and so I hear their questions. Yep. I share their questions with top management and executives. Right. Doesn't mean they're always going to be addressed. No. And I think. And what happens is you have employees who get so frustrated because right. their questions aren't being answered and right. there's no clear direction and what's happening. They end up leaving the organization and you've lost an awesome person. Absolutely. Thank you so much for stopping by, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Jay. So, you know, that's something I would say to any CEO out there or any management team. You know, not only recognize your employees, but give them the direction, honest direction that they need. From you, not someone speaking on your behalf. Right. I love it. So, Chris, this has been so good. Um, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your 
your your level of emotional intelligence, the way you that do? you think about HR, the way you think about the people that you interact with, the people that that you've worked with your entire career, and um, you're all heart. You're all heart. Thank you, Bobby. And uh, if anyone would like to reach out to you or they'd like to connect with you, what's the easiest way for them to do that mm. if they hear this podcast and like, I want to talk to that guy? Well, I am on Facebook. They okay. can Facebook message me. Got it. Uh, There's probably not a lot of Chris Cargill's out there, I'm imagining. Uh, well, you'd be surprised. Okay. Are, are there quite but, a few? Okay. Um, yeah. That's the best way. I prefer okay. for people to reach out. Yeah. Or they can okay. get my information from Bobby Shaw. Yes. So if you want to reach out to me and get uh, Chris's information, I can certainly I can certainly provide that for you. Yes. Um, or they can look up my uh, uh, SoundCloud. Chris Zoomer. No. Well, my uh, YouTube is Chris Zoomer. Okay. Chris Zoomer SoundCloud is Sun and Clouds. Sun and Clouds. I have four tracks on there. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I need to get back and awesome. do more of that. This has been an absolute pleasure. I think it was so incredibly helpful. Uh, I'm so excited for people to listen to this conversation because it was it was so real and raw and authentic. And um, you've got such a great perspective and you've seen so much happen over the last 22 years. Yeah. So thank you again. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today for this episode of the Cutting Onions Podcast. We're continuing to try to produce high-quality, inspirational content as we showcase these conversations with leaders across many different industries on how they've created strong people cultures. If you're enjoying these conversations, I'd be honored if you would go to wherever you consume your podcast content and leave us a rating and a review there. That would mean so much to us. It would help us stay relevant amongst all the many podcasts that are out there. So thank you for your ongoing support of the Cutting Onions podcast and the work that we're trying to do. And we'll see you back next week for another episode. The music in this podcast, Walking Strong, was created and composed by Chris Zimmer.